Hello. Hello. <laughs> how is everybody? How are? How is everybody? How are? How's everybody in Ireland today? They're always doing great. What would Christmas in Ireland be like? If you're from Ireland... Christmas in Killarney? Yeah. I need to go listen to some more Bing Crosby now. Tell, uh... If you're from Ireland and you're watching this or listening to this, we comment were, on what your Christmas celebrations Emma and I were listening to Christmas in Killarney because a, she was like a random very displeased... That I was listening to Mele Kiliki Maka. That's one of George's favorites. At this she point. is offended by it. Why? I think because Christmas should not be warm in her mind. I tend and to so agree. She's perturbed by the but weather that, right now and the forecast. Tell that to the people in Hawaii. Right. So she's like, I just don't like it. I just don't like this song. I said, Well, let's try this one for some cultural education. So, or you could listen to <laughs> Dominic the Donkey or Feliz Navidad. You could go all Dominic over the place. Dominic the Donkey. There's there's a winner. So, I don't understand Dominic the Donkey. I have not heard that in many, I hear it every Christmas on the radio days, whenever you so. listen to any Christmas station it comes on. <laughs> but I think I, I Well, not, that's since we started streaming things. Right. I don't listen to the Christmas true, radio true. as much as I used there's to. There's curated so. playlists though on Spotify that I usually listen to and if you go to like the classics it usually comes up on there. Though I saw a TikTok recently when it was a guy from Italy and he's like, we don't have Dominic the doggy. Like, that's an American thing. <laughs> I was like, well, that's depressing. Yeah. Anyway. Dominic the donkey. I, well, I find that that's true with a lot of yes, I'm sure. cultural things, like even St. Patrick's Day, right. which is dramatically different here than it yeah. is in Ireland. And it is something from Irish Americans and right. things that, that we have here that they don't have in Italy are right. often from Italian Americans. Like most things know. at Olive Garden. Very fine restaurant. I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy Olive Garden, but I enjoy their salad and breadsticks. I don't know that anything you know, like Taco Bell's not not Mexican, right? No, <laughs> it's still good. I still eat a lot of Taco Bell. Live Moss. And uh, did I ever tell you my Taco Bell The only Bell place that still has a true dollar menu, it seems like I, I mean, can't find gonna, a dollar. Did I ever tell you my Taco Bell story? No, from girl, college. We, we always like Taco Bell stories. It was there was a formal dance when I was in college. I want to say my sophomore year. So there's a formal dance. And then after the formal dance, we all went with people, I think, except with the exception of one of my roommates, went with people we didn't really know. I had the best time because my date was on was in the swing dance club. Uh-huh. And so he was this great dancer. Good time. And so he was just dancing around with me all night. I didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't have to. <laughs> um, so anyway, I never talked to the guy again. It's hard again. to get much more fun than swing. It was a lot of fun. So afterward, we went to Taco Bell through the drive-thru. I think, Hard to get much more fun than Taco I think there Bell. were six of us in total. Guess how much money we spent at Taco Bell for six people? I don't know. $72. <laughs> Guess how much Taco Bell you get There's for $72. A lot of Taco Bell. I have never seen so much Taco Bell. Now, if it were Chick Fil A or Arby's or not that know, much, or even McDonald's anymore, right? It, not that it much. Gets there pretty quick. But Taco Bell, Culver's, Sonic. Yeah. You know, it's out the window. You know what's really expensive? It's not fast food, but IHOP. Last time I went to IHOP, I was, oh, really? like, I was like, dang, they raised their prices. Well, last anyway. time I went to IHOP, it was my <laughs> daddy-daughter date with Emma, uh-huh. and uh, that's been a few years now, and we, we went out, we went to a movie. Shelly was doing something, she's out of town or whatever, so we went to a movie. It was like just the two of us in the theater at Celebration in Benton Harbor. Nice. And uh, we went over to IHOP, kids eat free. It was a party. We had a good time. That does sound like a good time. Yes. Anyway. So it's the thing. <coughs> That's my Taco Bell story. Most of our good times involve food, don't they? That is true. Can't get away from it. I like a it. cheeseburger. We were just talking about that. As well you should. That's a, that's a good thing. 
Leading back to Malakalikimaka and Christmas, I have a confession to make. It's the thing to say on this bright Hawaiian Christmas day. I have a confession to make. For years and years and years, like up until, (laughs) not this year, but like maybe within the last five years, I always thought it was Malakalikimaka is a wise way to say Ah, Merry Christmas and not Hawaii's way, which makes more sense. But yeah. yeah. Misheard lyrics. It's it's not really unwise, I suppose. I suppose if you're in Hawaii, it's a wise it's very, way. It's a very wise way. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's a good thing. That was my tie-in back to Christmas since we're talking about Advent. But. And Hawaii is very far to the west of us. Ah. If you go very far to the east of us. You can get a lobster roll. Well, there's that. <laughs> if you go farther oh, to the east farther. of us, across the pond, ah. across the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. east of... Judea, mm-hmm. Jerusalem, you find where the Magi came from in Matthew chapter 2. And they didn't have lobster Because rolls. they, well, I don't think they did, but they uh, journeyed from the east wow. to come and find See, you did the that much better king. than I did. I don't know that I did, Geog- but we did get there eventually. Geography. So. Come and for the geography. <laughs> geography and food. And Isn't that so, why you tuned in? Yes, and Yee. so we are... We are equal opportunity offenders. We offend people from every culture and every locality. Please don't come for us. Yeah. If you so have, if you have weather. anyway, as we're looking at at this third week of Advent, can you believe it's the third week of Advent? No. We're going into the fourth week of Advent now. No, I can't. And my daughter will lament the fact that there's still no snow. And, and it doesn't look like it's, it's going to be, be a white 60 Christmas. in between now and then. Yeah. It's supposed to be like uh, was it like 38 or 40 Christmas Eve? Yeah. Which could not all change thrilled. because, it could. you know. It could, but not, not thrilled. Not to offend our friends, the meteorologists, but we all know it's kind of a coin toss. Anyhow. The only job where you can be wrong, like, all the time. Well, anymore you can be wrong well, true. at every job true. all the time because, you know. There are no rules. There are no rules. Put your shirt back on. I'm about to go through a whole drive through thing. By the way, Taco Bell, always ask you in the drive through if you want sauce. They so do or they should? They do Yeah. in the speaker. You get to the window. No sauce. They ask again, maybe, or they don't. Just don't do it. You say, I'll, "I'll just, you know, just a little bit." I got one taco, and they give you a fistful. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of forty-seven packages. I don't know if you saw this earlier in the year. Taco Bell came out with a thing where they were going to recycle packages. You could bring your packages back in. Of sauce? Of sauce. The little you, packets? Your used packages of sauce, and they would recycle the the packages okay. to be greener because. Maybe you don't give people seven thousand. The threat to the environment is strictly from Taco Bell sauce sauce packets. Uh, Fire sauce is destroying the planet. I'm pretty sure that's not the solution. Of all the solutions, that might be a very small contributor. I guess that speaks though to how many packets they give. Well, for real. How about just you know have a little bit of sense, right? Give the packets that are asked for, and maybe if you didn't. Give forty-seven per time. Listen, it wouldn't cost you so much. Their motto is "Live Moss." They're just trying to live Moss. They're, and so they're giving Moss sauce. Moss, moss sauce. So anyway, I say that uh, as a complaint, but I really do a lot of Taco Bell. I do enjoy Taco Bell. I know people that like, but so. have like a big thing of those in their fridge, though. I'd, I don't think you need to refrigerate them, but. No, but having those, I mean, you... Because you can put them on whatever. It, it would be a very smart, frugal thing to pick those up. And when you have tacos at home, you've got the you sauce. You can put them on anything. You can put them on your eggs. Oh, yeah. Listen, I, the options are endless. I, I wouldn't put them on your, you know, chocolate truffles or anything, Some probably. But they, I mean, they do have 
chili Mexican chocolate. chocolate. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's out I'm there. Into it. We were talking about something important. Wow, and it was not Taco Bell sauce Speaking packets. Speaking of, oh, I should have done this. Can we rewind? Pretend you didn't hear the Taco Bell thing. Hawaii's, uh, when I said it was a wise way, we're talking about the wise men. Right. Eh? See, that would have eh? been a great transition. Yeah. So, as you were discussing Mele Kilikimaka, <laughs> the, the wise way was to come from the east to Jerusalem to try and find a king. Correct. To find out that the king wasn't in Jerusalem. Right. The king who thought he was king was in Jerusalem. But the true king was born in Bethlehem. They don't know that so. we know that they know. That's right. So Anyway, anyway. Um, I'm always very interested to hear as much information as possible about the quote-unquote wise men because from the song and We Three Kings and from most depictions that we see mm. in our culture, there are these typically three men, and you usually see them riding on camels or mm -hmm. whatever. And I think one of the my favorite, I don't know if it's the best, I won't say that, but one of my favorite depictions of the Christmas story is the Nativity story. It came out several years ago. Mm. Um, and the wise men in that were almost kind of comical. Like they were kind of teasing each other the whole way. And this and is the the live action nativity story that came out. Is that yeah, like like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like five or six years ago. I don't know, maybe longer than I think that. It was longer than okay, that. Okay, I'm yeah. old. Um, anyway, I liked it a lot. Pretty good, pretty good film. Yeah, I, I actually really like the depiction of them, even though. You know, it's based more on folklore and speculation right. than it than it is on the actual thing. But there were some there were some elements of it that captured the magi. Yeah. I thought pretty well. And, so when you seems, said things, it reminded me of Morgan Freeman's uh, Muslim wise dude uh, in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so when you said things like you know these these magi were actually like pretty much royalty, and so they would have had this, they would have likely had people with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, carrying their stuff or doing whatever. We don't think often think about that, and yeah. I think and and even for <clears throat> for you to say like probably they weren't there the night that Jesus was born. Like that's always in the yeah. I mean, it's really too. not probably. It's, we it's always, pretty definite because we always, they're not coming to a stable. Right. We right. always see these images of of the stable yeah. and the wise men standing there and Mary just giving birth and whatever. And that's probably not the case. Right. And so and they didn't teleport from the east there. Right, so if right. the star appeared at the time of the birth, right, right. Well, it takes time. Right. Right. So there was you know he could have been a few months old. Uh, it could have been up to two years old. Yeah. You know, and because of that two-year window, that seems fairly likely since Herod is, you know, let's say it was a year, year and a half, Herod goes to two years just to make sure, we'll get to that next week, just to make sure his sweeping murder right. of, uh, of these um, baby boys, this infanticide that he's got, he wants to make sure that that absolutely does the job. Mm -hmm. So everybody under two years, all the, the male um, children under two years old. So in that two-year window, somewhere in there, uh, is where these magi show up. Right. Uh, and presumably in Bethlehem, uh, it, 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 looking at, at the way this shakes out, they're, they're at the house, they're there uh, in Bethlehem, they, uh, they make this journey, they're looking for a king, and they have in mind the worship of the king, right? They probably, probably, and, and, and I'm reaching here with, with just trying to put the pieces together, 
if they're coming from the east and, and presumably Babylon, Persia, you know, that's where the Magi would be, so that, that, that's the logical um, take on that. And, and most scholars seem to, to agree on that. There are outliers, but, but uh, pretty much everybody that, that I looked at that, uh, of those that I would respect seem to be mostly in agreement. So as they're coming from there, they would have had uh, Jewish history uh, because of the presence of the Jews there during the exile. They would have had Daniel's prophecies, not only as, uh, as the Jewish scriptures being left there, but because of Daniel's influence in the government. And so, and as one of them, which I hadn't thought about, I heard John MacArthur preaching a sermon here, and I, I uh, felt like I was a little bit too um, derivative in the sermon Sunday. Uh, I'm usually a little more careful to not, um, you know, kind of let somebody else's sermons come out of my mouth. And, I, and that, I didn't really do that, but I felt like I, uh, in listening yesterday, I was like, uh, that was a little sloppy in the, in the scholarship aspect of it. So I apologize to those who are paying attention to that. Um, but anyway, uh, until I heard MacArthur talk about Daniel being among the Magi, I hadn't given that any real thought, mm. hadn't paid attention to that. And so that, that picture, uh, if, if these Magi are those who would have been the, the royal advisors, the, the royal seers and so on at that time, and, and Daniel is grouped among them, um, it kind of flies in the face a little bit of, of MacArthur's description of them as a tribe that may or may not be the best way of putting it. But uh, it seems unlikely that Daniel would have been welcomed into a particular ethnic tribe, if right. that's the case. Um, but in any, in any case, they would have had Daniel's prophecies, Jewish history. Uh, they know these things that are, that are going on. They would have, uh, in all likelihood, as those who are pursuing truth in a general sense, they would have had the Hebrew Scriptures as well as one of the ancient religions, along with many other ancient religions. So in seeking these things out, uh, they likely would have had Balaam's prophecy, uh, which is from, uh, I think, Numbers 24, is that right? Yeah, Numbers, uh, Numbers 24, 15 to 19. Um, Balaam, after you know, being a corrupt prophet-for-hire type guy, um, the Lord gets a hold of him. We'll skip over that story. Uh, and whether he actually repents or not, the Lord captures him in this moment. And as he is giving prophecies um, for Israel's prosperity as they follow the Lord and against their enemies, uh, he describes the, this star that, that he sees. I see him, uh, you know, here but not now. And, and you know, as he's as he is describing the star that will come, this scepter that will rule, um, he's pointing forward to Christ. Right. And, you know, Balaam surely did not realize what he was saying, and that is very often is the case when prophets are carried along by the wind of the Spirit. Um, so as they take hold of that in all likelihood, Daniel's prophecies almost certainly, uh, they're coming knowing that this one who is born king is a different kind of king. This is, you know, this is the king who's going to crush everybody else. Right. Daniel is pretty clear about the Messiah coming uh, to to shatter the other nations. Uh, we see that even in Isaiah's prophecy and, and the other messianic prophecies as they're looking at these things, 
the focus for most of them is on the role he has for Israel and for the Gentile nations to bring them in. But when we see the, um, the fullness of it um, reflecting not just his first advent here, but his second advent uh, yet to come, mm-hmm. when Christ comes and establishes his rule and judges the wicked, uh, there, is a, there is a crushing, a shattering that's going on. So they're, they're looking for this most powerful king. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what are they? What are they looking for? We don't know that, and right. I, and, and that it's kind of dangerous to get into that. So I really encourage people to to not just set aside the folklore. You know, we we sing we three kings, and so the the the, fir- the opening of it and the um, the uh, chorus and all that it kind of takes you in this uh, folklore traditional thing about the the three kings. Well, it's not three, and they're not kings. If you use kings in a loose term as as those who have a royal role, right. you know that has to do with princes and satraps and all these different things. So okay, you can loosely throw them into the king's thing. Um, and there are three gifts, which is where we come up with the number. But that's just not that's not a sensible uh, thing to hang your hat on. But as we look at at these guys, the things that they're thinking may or may not be what we expect them to be thinking. Right. Now, my guess is, and this is this is my guess, this is not from Scripture, but as I'm reading it and I'm trying to put myself in their place as best I can, uh, what you might call sanctified imagination as we're kind of working back through this, I don't think they're probably looking for a baby. They're certainly not looking for a baby in a cow feeder. Right. They're, you know, they're, they're not looking for a baby probably in a podunk sheep town. That's why they go to Jerusalem because that's where the kings are. They're probably expecting the heir apparent, Maybe Herod's son. Who who knows? They're they're looking for somebody in a royal position who's ready to to take over, right? Or or that's coming, and they want to get there. And um, maybe they want to you know anoint him king over their domain. Hey, let's rise up together over Rome. Uh, or maybe they just want to get in you know get in good with this king that we think is going to do good things. So mm-hmm. we're bringing these gifts basically to bribe him. Who knows? We're not told that. And the only account we have is is what we have in Matthew chapter 2. We don't see it anywhere else other than prophecy. We don't see it uh, in in other extant literature that, that we can go to and say, okay, here's what happened, right? right? So the things that, uh, the stories and so on, were, are things that were made up, you know, centuries sure. later yeah. uh, to, to help with the storytelling and so on. And there's a place for that, but we need to always be careful not to conflate the truth of scripture and the mythology that uh, that people tend to make when, when we create legends we create uh, mythologies to go along with things that's not something that um, that is suitable as far as turning the scripture into that or adding that to the scripture but it is a human tendency we see it in all cultures and all times so we want to be aware of it Anyway, as as these guys are are coming, when they're when they're looking for this king, I don't think that you know maybe they're God fearing Gentiles. We we see that uh, throughout history. Um, maybe they had enough of Jewish influence. Maybe they even had some Jewish bloodlines. Mm-hmm. You know, but maybe that influence had them as uh, those who revered God. So to, to say that they were for sure among the, the sorcerer types, that 
that is present among some magi. Uh, the Zoroastrianism is present among some. We see some of those things, but that's not a for sure. It's not a universal. We don't really know. Right. They could have been completely uh, outside of that. My, my wife's, our church does the, the, the um, Advent daily devotion that, right. that uh, <clears throat> you know, various members of the church write. My wife's was yesterday, and so uh, I read that. I actually read it today because um, I didn't get a chance to read it yesterday. And uh, she actually conveyed, I think, much of what I was trying to get across on Sunday better than I did, uh, much more clearly and concisely. And, you know, as we look at it, we don't know what these things right. But we can say, here's some probabilities. Probably these guys were not looking to serve the one true God. Probably they were not understanding what they were coming to worship. Right. But they were. But they knew there was something great. The prophecies pointed them there. Uh, we don't know what the star was. We don't. You know, it, it. It does not appear to be. You know, I've heard all the explanations of, oh, it was a supernova. Planets so all of a sudden, or... yeah, pl planets aligning, a comet, an asteroid. Uh, you know. This was a, a supernova of, of some kind. None of those things would in themselves naturally do. Not, and, and I think God's providence is the best explanation for most things rather than miracles. Usually it's God's providence. He orders things as he has always done uh, to accomplish his purpose. But these don't seem to fit the, the story that we have. Right. The, the natural occurrence of supernovas or any of these other cosmological events would not do right. in themselves what we see here. Could God be? Could God make them operate differently? Certainly. So we don't really know. From their perspective, what they're seeing is a star. Right. Was it an angel? Was it the glory of God? I, I don't know. I, I think those are as good an explanation star, as any. And it's a star different enough from the other stars Absolutely. to be noticeable and, you know, Right. How do they know it was Messiah's star? That's right. you know that's not highlighted in Scripture. But right. for some, in some way, God got a hold of their minds as seekers of truth to come from the east and, and find this right. out. And so, all of that picture together. When we, when we see the Magi coming, we see you know they they get to Jerusalem, which that's where you're going to go to right. find the key. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned this. This is from Matthew two verses one to twelve. For the sake of time, since we're already so late in the podcast, I probably won't read it. But um, but the story is familiar. The the magi come from the east, or the wise men come from the east. <clears throat> uh, I think I mentioned Sunday. We don't have a a, a way to translate magi. Um, so the most of your like the NIV and a lot of the other translations will use the term magi mm -hmm. as a transliteration of the Greek magoi. Uh, which is the plural uh, of that. So we know that there's more than one, in all likelihood more than two for them to say this. So could it be three? Could be. Uh, could be more, 33. More likely more, but <laughs> yeah. but who knows? Uh, yeah, it could be 33. could be a whole bunch. It uh, may have just been a small contingent, a delegation that was sent for this. Uh, you know, Not the did, point. Did they come on behalf of the, of the government there? Did they come on their own? We don't know. And again, like you said, not the point. Um, if that was what was important to the to the passage, would we would have right. um, it. wasn't important to Matthew as he was writing it. It wasn't important uh, for us to know that, or God would have inspired him to include it. He is establishing in his account that Christ is King, that He is the fulfillment of the Hebrew prophecies, that uh, as God promised to send the one who would eventually be the Prince of Peace, uh, who would eliminate 
all rivals to God's glory. Um, here, we see this establishment, and Matthew continues to, to go through all of these fulfillments of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see next week that he alludes to a prophecy that we don't see elsewhere in Scripture. So, mm-hmm. again, we're left with some things that are maybe speculative. We, we do some, some jumping around on some stuff. And we want to be really careful not to hang our hats on anything that is added to, anything that's outside of what we know And in I the think account. that's especially, this, I mean, it happens all the time. But this time of year, we want the, you know, the things that we hear about in songs yep. or on movies or classic Christmas stories or whatever. <clears throat> it's so easy to get wrapped up in those things because they, A, they've been around for forever. <laughs> and they, they like the using this example, the three wise men, that's easy to, it's a nice picture, you know, it's looks easy great to, on the Christmas right, card and, right. you know, fills out your crash, your nativity scene that you have right. there. You know, that, that's great. But the point of the story, which was the point of the sermon on Sunday is that God's King will be recognized by all who earnestly seek truth. So these Gentiles are coming earnestly seeking truth. And that so, is wise. And it is wise. <laughs> and so that, which is why we refer to to those magi in general, not just these guys, as wise men. They're the king's wise men. And so as they're coming to pursue this, whether they knew or not what they were coming to see. They knew it was. By the time we get done, they know. Right. Oh, yeah. And they fall on their faces and worship a baby. There's a different reaction when they're asking around town in right. Jerusalem to find out where the king is. People are disturbed. When when Herod finds out, he's disturbed. This and and I was looking to see, well, does disturbed mean something different? You know, but no, it means disturbed. They were disrupted. They were troubled. It, it, there's a negative connotation uh, as they're as they're going through this. The, the it's not good feelings. Right. So for a people who's been awaiting the Messiah, the promised one, God's king. For centuries, rather than being excited, they're troubled. They were fearful, were they not, of Herod? That, that seems likely. Yeah. Uh, we know Herod's history, and right. so with Herod's history, and don't be causing trouble around here. Right. Herod's going to get upset. And what we see in, right. in the latter part of chapter two, he backs that up. There's right. reason for them to be afraid. So maybe they're afraid of Herod. Maybe they're just afraid in general, because fear often comes from this. Uh, uh, I want to hang on to the familiar. Right. Fear comes from the unknown. You're bringing in this this questioning about whether Herod's king or not. That ain't going to go well. Stick to the status quo. Right, uh, which brings many musicals to mind, including Hairspray. So um, that's, a, that's from High School Musical. High School Musical. That's right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Hairspray is in my mind, which another, is another, much another Zac Efron movie, though. Much less family friendly, but still a good movie. Uh, anyhow, as as they are um, bringing this about. Herod, if he's truly the king of the Jews, mm-hmm. should be seeking God's will. Right. He's not. He's and he's an Edomite, an Edomian, not uh, Jewish. But in any case, he is. He's bothered by this. He sees this new king as a rival. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the people are upset by this because they have a status quo. They have. A, they want to maintain a stasis here, which is not the plural of Stacy. Uh, so we're going to keep this together. Mm-hmm. However, this we may not even like it, right? You know, and we do but that a lot. That's what we know, right? We do that when we're talking about our, our negative emotions. It's like a weird security blanket that you hate, we, but you need. You know, when when you look at whether it's codependent relationships, addictions, fears, you know, the, uh, a job that you hate that mm-hmm. that 
you really want to quit, but you're afraid of what's out there. You know, maybe I maybe I get in a worse situation. Kind of the devil, you know, kind right. of kind of idea. Uh, we do that a lot, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what we see here. And so, the reason that we miss Christ, that we don't see Him for who He is, is because we have our own personal agendas. We, we're looking for an affirmation of what we believe, uh, a maintenance of our status quo, something that is not going to take away from the lifestyle we want. I, I see so many people, in fact, you and I were having a conversation um, before we got on here uh, in something to rant about, about the, the reality that we have a lot of folks who claim Christianity, and I'm, I'm going to say this differently than, than our discussion, uh, um, and we we have a lot of folks who claim Christianity, who post inspirational things, who who you know like to buy Joel Osteen books or J- Joyce Meyer books, and I, I'm not I'm not really trying to take a shot at, at, at any individual teachers, but uh, in this particular case, uh, but <laughs> but, but we you know we look for these inspirational things. We want devotionals that make us feel good. Right. We we want you know a daily devotional that that will lift us up, perk us up. And not something that challenges us. Right. We don't want something that says, hey, you're a sinner. Repent. Right. We don't like a gospel message that says, you're going to hell if you don't turn. Right. right? We, we look at that message as something that the fanatics will, will bring out. And so, you know, we see people who are serious about their faith as Jesus freaks or fanatics or you're going too far with that. We like a comfortable religion that gives us nice Christmas Eve services. Mm-hmm. And you, you come in, you can know we're going we're gonna to come in, sing three songs, have an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, a half-hour sermon, and we're out the door. Light your candles and you can go home. Yeah, we're, we're good to go. And, and, and that's not just in mainline churches. Right. That is in in just across the board in evangelical churches, uh, mainline Protestant churches, Catholic churches, we like that comfortable, predictable status quo. We say we don't. We often want say we want excitement, but excitement for most people scares us. Mm-hmm. What we really and and even you know look at like the seeker driven churches that are uh, they're exciting like a big youth conference or a big concert, but we still want something that doesn't that challenges us just enough that we feel like something's happening as long as it doesn't take us out of what we are comfortable with. As long as you don't call... People love Jesus until he called them on their sin. People love Jesus as long as he was giving this lift up the masses kind of message. But the moment that he said, you got to take up your cross, everybody starts deserting. It's like, wait. You know, and, and... even the difference between his disciples that stayed and the ones that kept deserting, he did every time Jesus would get a big crowd, he'd have some hard saying, and everybody leave. <laughs> and he at one point says to his disciples, "Are you going to leave too?" And Peter, in a moment of true clarity, says, "Where would we go? You have the words of life. Yeah, they're offensive. They're 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 upsetting our apple cart. They're shattering our homeostasis, but." Everything else is death. Right. You have the truth. And that's when we're actually seeking truth. Those who seek truth find the answer in Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're going to do about that depends on whether God has your heart or whether you're still calling the shots. Right. If you really want to find truth, you will find yourself coming face to face with Christ. 
You can accept, you can reject, you can see Christ as an intellectual pursuit, or you can fall on your face and worship. Right. But you will find Christ if you are earnestly seeking truth. And this is some, why Christians can't be afraid of hard questions and right. looking There's at There's some evidence. harsh realities in that when you find the truth. It's, it's right. not always an easy pill to swallow. And, you know, I think that for Truth some reason... seldom is an easy right. build as well. I think for some reason we've gone away or maybe maybe stereotyped or even poked fun at what I feel like is a... And there are, I'm sure, some preachers that still do this, and I don't, I don't mean to throw this term around lightly either, but the whole, you know, fire and brimstone preachers yeah. or whatever. When I think of that, I think of, like, black and white, old school, tent revivals, sure. whatever... And so I think that tends to get like there's a reason for that not I mean, made fun of, but yeah. people don't like that anymore. Right. And I'm not saying that that was the way to do or things, or they like but, it too much. One of the two. Well, right. You know, it, it tends but to go one of the extremes. As we get as we as progressive Christianity becomes more and more popular, it gets so far away from that. I'm not saying that the fire and brimstone preaching is you know the way to do things, yeah. but oftentimes it's telling the truth and yeah. the in the in the harsh realities of things it's funny and, as you say that you know just the phrase you know progressive christianity becoming more popular it, it's kind of bizarre because on the one hand it does it's a pervasive thought right. that, that is infecting even um, formally conservative right. evangelical churches uh, those who had a high view of scripture are being infected with this Cultural, culturally because it driven. Sounds thing. easy and nice, right. and <laughs> but inevitably, and we're all tired. The progressive churches are in the most dramatic decline. Mm. People don't go because eventually, when you get to this progressive Christianity, and you see the Bible as maybe a suggestion, it's a living document. It you know it changes with the times. The more we secularize God, the more we turn God into an it rather than than a person, the more we look for just this inspirational feel-good stuff without the truth, the less necessary it is to our lives. That's true. And so eventually, when the Bible doesn't matter, when God doesn't have standards, and, and you can think through the, the folks that you know that have a low view of Scripture, the folks that are, are most progressive in your, in your religious connections, they tend to stop going to church. Mm. Because why do I need it? Right. God wants me happy. I can get that on Facebook, right? So the more we lapse into this idea of God wants me happy, the less we want the true Christ, the less we want the Christ of Scripture. Because Jesus is never, read the Gospels, Jesus never at any point is interested in making people happy, ever. There's nothing in Scripture that pushes that. We are called to rejoice in suffering. We're called to endure. We're called to choose joy in, in a number of different ways. But never are we called to eliminate the things that don't give us bliss. Just that, That's the dumbest, most Eastern garbage. And when I say Eastern, I don't mean geographically. I mean coming from this uh, New Agey, Eastern religion, mysticism kind of thing. Anything that doesn't give me bliss, really? So then anybody who tells me the truth and it hurts my feelings, I have to eliminate. Cut them out. Right. So, you know. Ooh, I thought I had my glasses on. And I just... let, let, let's just throw away this Marie Kondo garbage that, that <laughs> Does tells. Does not spark joy. If it doesn't spark joy, if it doesn't bring you happiness that, that feeds your bliss, then dump it. It's bad. That is unhealthy, a... harmful garbage. Did I say that? 
directly enough. I, I hope so. I, I, I hope I. There's. You know, uh, I hope in, I'm not hurting anybody's feelings. In the Gilmore, that's not true. I totally do. In the Gilmore Girls, I, you know, I'll use any chance to bring up Gilmore Girls. There you good. go. In the Gilmore Girls reboot, reboot from I don't know three or four years ago. Um, it's it been that long. Already? It's been a minute. Wow. Um, I was still married, so it's at least four years. <laughs> Uh, it was a four-part series. In the first part, they had to do, to kind of cover the fact that one of the main actors from the show had passed away mm. during the Edward Herman uh, passed away, and he was the father, um, Lorelai's father in the mm. show. I'm sorry if you watch the social play; it makes no sense. Wasn't he also Richie Rich's father? He was, um, and he was President uh, Eisenhower in one movie. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, so they had to kind of work that in in the first episode. And they were the, there was, they were this wealthy older couple, and it was around the same time the Marie Kondo show was so popular. Mm. And Amy Sherman Palladino, who writes Gilmore Girls, often like kind of pokes fun at pop culture or what's ever hot at the time. And so the first episode, uh, the mother, the older mother, was going around the man, their mansion and getting rid of everything that didn't bring joy. And she didn't say spark joy because that might have been like copyright. Right, right, right. But she said it doesn't bring her joy. And so they were, Lorelai and Roy were in there like, what are you doing? And she goes, this doesn't bring me joy. Get rid of it. No joy. Mm. No joy. And so it's it's funny what people will do right. to try to like, like I've got no problem with the minimalist movement or whatever, some, or, getting, getting the junk out of your life. No, that's not the issue. But if you think that, that getting rid of things that don't immediately like make you want to, you know, scream with happiness that's right. silly throw and, the bible out right yeah exactly the things in our life that don't give you joy i mean might as well throw your kids out right you know everything but cheeseburgers pretty much yeah so as you're as <laughs> anyway, we're dealing sorry. with all of this Gilmore kind of Girls stuff around. i mean that's that's really what we see in the passage is that mm-hmm. if, if we're intellectually honest mm-hmm. and we earnestly seek truth we're going to come Face to face with Christ. Yes. And then, you know, we see the picture of Herod and the people, and, and, and the people are offended by this notion. And this is a theme throughout the life of Christ, up until the time of the cross. Because he upsets the apple cart. Absolutely. So don't mess with our system. Right. Don't take my power, don't take my glory, don't take my comfort. You know, and, and so Herod is comfortable in his rule, and the people are comfortable in in their sort of uh, familiar distress. There's right. a certain level of discomfort. They're under Roman rule, and, and those who are most disenfranchised are going to be the most revolutionary. But for the masses, right, for the, for the masses, uh, we might be unhappy, but... Could be worse. Right. It's kind of the, the Roman bread and circuses kind of thing. Right. Keep the people entertained, keep them fed. And as long as they're satisfied in those ways, then they're not going to ask too many questions. Because they don't want to I won't speak ha- to the state questions. of our country currently. but Well, it's, and it's 100% what, what we're dealing with. Right. You know, in our culture, we don't push back until it affects me personally. Right. And anything that might be uncomfortable for me personally we're going to throw that away. Right. Well, if that's your perspective, then Christ is not for you. And so those who seek stasis find defense in Christ. And and Herod is a picture of those who seek glory, attention, mm-hmm. power, to to be the guy, to, to be in, in, in that way where I'm the center of attention, I'm the spotlight. Uh, and, and it manifests itself in so many different ways. Obviously for Herod, it's... You know, he's the king of the Jews, right? right? And so he's going to wipe out threats to that rule. But for the rest of us, 
when we put ourselves in control of our lives, we are making ourselves the king of our own hearts, the queen of our own hearts. We are we're putting ourselves in the position of God. And if we're putting ourselves in God's position, that never ends well. Then God interrupting becomes a threat to us. We would usually not say that out loud, like Herod was pretty pretty bold with what he was saying, what he was doing. We wouldn't usually do that consciously, but we resent a rival to our own independence, our own rule in our lives. We resist authority as a basic concept. Uh, and so if we're seeking, if our primary purpose is not to find truth, but to find Christ, or to, I'm sorry, to find glory, uh, to be in control ourselves, to be our own ruler, our own, uh, you know, our own sovereign in our lives, then Christ is going to be a rival to right. that. And he's going to challenge our stasis. He's going to uh, be a rival for, for our own glory, our own sovereignty, our own independence. But when we seek truth and we come to Christ, we find him, and the Holy Spirit takes out our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh, then we begin to seek God. When we recognize that truth and we seek God, instead of seeking our own way, then we find life in Christ. And we see that picture in these wise men from the East who come, I can only imagine what the conversations were like. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you go through all the initial stuff about this, but at some point, it has to get past the polite baby talk to, right. why are you not in the palace in Jerusalem? Right. If this is the king that was prophesied, and all signs point to this, God, is, God himself has, has made us see this somehow. How'd right. you get here? Right. How did this happen? And so as they're coming, uh, I think Shelley said this well in her, in her devotion. I wish I had it in front of me to, to read it. Um, as, as they're coming, seeking, because of the prophecies that they know, they come, they find more prophecies mm-hmm. being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. They are impacted in such a way that they bow, and, and don't just give bribery gifts, right, but they right. bow in worship right. to this baby who on the surface is just a baby. He's not dressed in royal robes. He's not, you know, in the palace of, okay, this baby is heir to the throne. Right. He's a baby in a sheep town. Mm-hmm. And they recognize this is the king sent from God. Mm-hmm. And they worship him. When we come to the place of, of no longer seeking our own stuff, and we seek God himself, he gives us life according to grace because Jesus came to take our place, to wipe out our sin by carrying it in himself to the cross, dying the death that, that we as sinners deserve and he does not, so that he could pay our debt that we could only pay with our lives. That's the only way. So we face death and eternal death, separation from God. Because he had no sin, he was able to take that on himself And by faith in him, God gives us grace, not only to forgive our sins, but to cleanse us from the stain of that sin so that we have now full status as adopted children in God so that we have the same standing before God as Christ himself. That is a mind-blowing grace. Yes, it is. 
and it, it requires a heart that seeks God, which we can only receive from God. Right. Otherwise, our sin would overwhelm us. So that's where we are. That's where we are. So. That's where we'll end because we're over. Uh, it's Christmas. We're going to be over. <laughs> it's actually not bad compared to where we're going. say that's about standard for us at this point. We should just stop saying we're over and just say it's a 45-minute podcast. It's a 45-minute podcast. podcast. We're under. Um, I'll, I'll close it quick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org, or you can leave a comment on Facebook or YouTube or leave us a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC or on the Anchor app if that's how you listen to your podcasts. That's all I got. If you're in the area, uh, come to our last Advent service and come to our Christmas Eve service. Absolutely. And do all the things. If you're not, and if you're in Ireland, we hope you enjoy the live stream versions of those things. And wherever you are, make your Christmas intentionally Christian. Be, be serious about getting past the trappings of it and celebrate the coming of the one who is the king eternally. Truth. All right, we will catch you guys later.